0: The amazing beauty of creation is brought to you by CompuKids. CompuKids is an online technology academy for kids. CompuKids offers courses like game development, coding, app development, graphic design and animation, all especially designed for kids. The CompuKids courses are all available as downloadable multimedia e-books. CompuKids will help you to prepare your child for the fourth industrial revolution by providing them with valuable technology skills. Support the show by visiting www.compukids.me That's .me Assalamu alaikum and welcome back to a brand new episode of The Amazing Beauty of Creation. I'm Bilal Katrada And I'm Talha Katrada And today we're going to continue our topic on... Predators, predatory animals, vicious killers that hunt other animals to survive. Now, Tala, last week you left us with a, a, click, a cliffhanger in, in the previous episode. You, you mentioned how reintroducing wolves into the Yellowstone National Park actually caused rivers to change their, their course and rivers to start flooding. Now, that was a a cliffhanger, and I've been waiting ever since then to hear exactly how do wolves have a bearing on on rivers. So let's start off with that. Before we get into the topic of wolves, let's start off with with that one. How on earth is it possible that wolves can affect rivers?
1: Okay, so, I mean, as with the pattern of of this uh, series, we know that wolves are apex predators, meaning that they sit at the top of the food chain and they have no natural predators. But just like the lions we discussed in in the previous episode, wolves are also keystone uh, creatures in their ecosystems, meaning that they keep the entire ecosystem in order and without them, the entire ecosystem could could collapse or could change Drastically. Now, how, good question, how would wolves, how would a single creature, and wolves are not a particularly large creature at that, but how did they affect the way that rivers flowed? So let's take it back firstly to the 1930s, when wolves were completely wiped out from the Yellowstone National Park, um, mostly due to, to hunting by humans. And in 1995, which was almost 70 years later, they were reintroduced. And after they were reintroduced, then this group of scientists carefully studied the effects that, it, that the wolves had on, on the park. And they've been recording these effects ever since. Now, during that 70 years that wolves were absent from the park, you could see that the entire area seemed to slowly be dying you know there were the number of species that you to get there was dropping there weren't as many uh, different types of of creatures moving in Uh, areas that used to be lush with vegetation and that and that used to be forests were starting to wither away and they were becoming bare and and barren and um, once the wolves were reintroduced the entire park seemed to just rebound And it seemed to just recover just within a a few years. How is that possible? And this is, again, because they, they are a keystone species. Now, a keystone species basically is a creature that has a very large impact on its environment, on its ecosystem, especially when you compare it to its size. And the way that this happened, it's sort of like a chain reaction. You know, one thing leads to another, leads to another. And... You know, before you know it, the entire ecosystem is different. So, when the wolves disappeared, the deer population grew. There were no natural predators to hunt them and to to keep their numbers down. And obviously, this caused them to you know to triple and, and you know just keep multiplying and multiplying. And obviously,
0: the more deer there are, the more they're going to eat. Okay, right? and they started eating all the lush vegetation. Correct. Out and of control
1: way out of control and okay now you might be thinking all right humans could have helped control this right you could have just have like an open season where hunters are allowed to go in and kill the deer but that wasn't the only problem with the deer it wasn't just their numbers it was their behavior so you see when deer know that there's predators around they are cautious they don't linger in one spot for too long they tend to be more nomadic. So they'll eat a little bit from here, they'll move on, eat a little bit from here, and they'll keep moving on like that. And they'll avoid certain areas like, you know, valleys and gorges where they could easily be trapped. And they would never ever hang out and keep eating near a riverbank because that's where predators would come looking for water. And if there's an animal there, they could easily capture it. I see. But when the wolves disappeared the deer caught on to that and suddenly they had no fear of predators so they started to you know eat for a long time in one area so they eat that entire area bare they wouldn't stop they wouldn't move on only once there was like next to nothing left in that area they'd move on and they would even go right to the river banks and they would eat all of the reeds and the willows that were growing there because you know there was no predators to hunt them they had they didn't have that fear anymore and Even the tree population started to dwindle and trees that used to, that normally grow to great heights were were stunted and the low hanging leaves were all eaten and were getting, you know, the trees look very bare themselves. So that was one of the things that the deer did. So like, I mean, when when the wolves disappeared, you could say that the deers were the biggest threat to the ecosystem because there was no balance anymore between predator and prey.
0: Wow, that just shows the, the, the balance that Allah Ta'ala has created in, in, in the universe. If you, you see it on a macroscopic scale, you see it on a microscopic sta- uh, scale, how now w- what you're telling us on an, on an ecosystem in a nature, uh, in a game reserve, how the, the presence of animals, certain animals creates that balance. So the deers became, well deer became an infestation when there wasn't uh, a balance. Oh, that is, that is amazing. Yeah, and it also shows that, I mean, as much as we think humans are so advanced
1: and intelligent, but we simply could not control that because even if we kill some of the deer, they were you know, their behavior changed and there was no way that humans could have easily been able to control that. Hmm. So, you know, this it it just shows that the world and the ecosystems are just so much beyond
0: us. So much beyond our control. infinitely complex and we don't understand even the slightest bit. i wouldn't even say that the tip of the iceberg of what really goes on in nature and what are the intricacies of the systems that allah has created despite all our knowledge and technology and you know our pride about the advancements we've made really we understand so little about the universe around us and the best we can do is basically just tinker would, uh, would uh, you know, the systems and draw up theories about why and how things actually operate. I mean, this is mind-boggling. This is truly, truly amazing. So what happened next? Okay, so
1: now when the, uh, the deer were, or when the wolves, rather, were reintroduced in 1995, firstly, they killed some of the deer to keep the numbers down. And then also the deer's, their behavior changed and it reverted back to their, their state when wolves were around, so they became more nomadic again. They wouldn't stay in one area too long. Uh, they wouldn't stay too long by a riverbank, so the, the willows and the grass and the reeds that used to grow there started to flourish again. Then, you know, areas like the, the valleys and the gorges where the deer started to avoid out of fear of getting trapped and, and captured, those areas became forests again. They became lush with vegetation. And all of these things impacted the amount of creatures. So, for example, the forests that grew, those would make perfect uh, homes for birds. So the bird population started to soar. You know, you got these whole lot of different songbirds and these tiny birds that started moving in. And, you know, the beaver population also started to grow because, you know, beavers like trees. So there was more trees, more beavers. And the beavers, they they built dams. So those dams also become hideouts for dozens or of other creatures. You know, you get these small fish and reptiles and other small mammals that will make their homes homes by these dams. And, you know, overall, if you looked at the park, since the wolves were reintroduced, the, the number of creatures just skyrocketed. You know, you had like uh, creatures like badgers and bears, hawks, eagles, otters, rabbits. You know, everything just started coming back. There was wow, eagles. that
0: is so interesting, man.
1: And it's one creature just reintroducing this small group of creatures back into
0: the park, and this is the impact that it had. And hence they call called apex predators, because that's how, that's the role they play in, not just not just in the food chain, but also in the entire ecosystem. They play a role of keeping the balance. Correct. Where, where there was no wolves, there was no, no balance. And then we saw the whole system actually collapsing and you know the, the the wolves are
1: so interesting and this is like the really interesting part the wolves didn't just have a bearing on the ecosystem they had a bearing on the landscape of the land on the geography of the area the wolves being taken out and then reintroduced changed the way that rivers flowed now this is how this happened right now when wolves were reintroduced now, the, the reeds and the plants that grew on the banks of the the rivers were eaten away by the deer. And this caused that soil around the rivers to become very loose. So they were easily eroded away. But when those plants grew back there, they reinforced that that soil. So the banks and became more, more firm. More firm. And that made sure that... Uh, Firstly, you know, large canals began to, to narrow down and they, they flowed more steadily, more in, in a fixed course. And, you know, more pools began to form as well. Wow. And those pools would then become homes for countless creatures. You know, you got oh, all sorts of tiny creatures, to even large ones like otters and beavers that would live in those pools. And, you know, all these things help the ecosystem to thrive. It helps more creatures to f- to live and find food. And it just helped that population of animals to grow even more. Right. And yeah, so I mean, yeah, that recovering forest that started to grow around that area, they reinforced that bank. So, you know, think about a river flowing through loose sand. It's just gonna keep washing all of that sand away as it flows through. But when those plants came, they sort of reinforced it, and those became became you know very tight, very strong, and. As the water flew, those roots of those plants held that
0: sand in place. And, it, and, and they became natural barriers to the, the flow exactly. of, of and the water. So the water had to change its, its direction. It, it changed its direction and, you know, it,
1: the, there was a lot less erosion. And that also helped the plant population grow even more because, you know, when soil gets eroded, there's nothing for the plants to survive off. So it yes. makes it harder for them to, to live there. But since the soil stopped ge- being eroded... More plants will be able to grow, and that had a further impact on the animal species, on the way the rivers flowed, and you know, the entire landscape of the land. So, well, keystone predators normally have a bearing on the ecosystem or the network of creatures that live in the area, but wolves had an
0: impact on the geography of that area. And in the long run, probably even the climate because these new uh, flora and fauna that uh, suddenly sprung up again will, will affect the climate. I mean, think about it like this, right? Worst case scenario, had the wolves not been reintroduced, it's likely that lush forests um, uh, would have become scrub or semi, semi-arid desert-like scrub because the deer would have eaten up everything and they themselves would have died out because of a scarcity of food. So they would have eaten up all the food supply and died out, and then everything downstream from there, all the other creatures would have also possibly died out. So it's great that uh, the scientists uh, acted when they did, because it could have been a bigger disaster, it could have been catastrophic down the line, maybe in a few decades time. So we don't really realize the damage we do to an environment by just removing one, one pillar. It's like it's like the domino effect. You know, you drop one domino, and suddenly downstream there's there's dozens and dozens of other dominoes just just toppling. And we could see the wolf as the one that, uh, as we as human beings, always interfering, always tinkering, always causing damage. We just drop that, and then down the down the line, more and more drop very very interesting again it's amazing it's really amazing to see how the creator not just created these individual creatures i mean if you look at every single creature in that food chain in itself is amazing but in the system that they are working in together creatures plants ge- geography landscape climate we're starting to see that they all have a bearing on each other. There's a kind of system where they all affecting each other and they're keeping each other in check. Think about it like this, right? The wolves, by killing the deer, actually kept the deer alive. Really, because what we saw was that the deer were eating up their food supply, they would have gone extinct. But by killing off some, the wolves were keeping the population of the deer firstly was keeping it in check as a result the deer wouldn't eat up all the uh, the 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 greenery in the reserve and they would have plenty of food the numbers would be smaller but they'd have plenty of food but on the other hand the wolves wouldn't be able to proliferate also you might think okay so the wolves come in and then they eat uh, the deer and then they they go out of control but they couldn't because there's only that many deer they can hunt So then their population is also kept in check. So it's like two uh, dominoes leaning on one another. They're keeping each other in check. If one falls, the other falls. But they're keeping each other within uh, a a kind of delicate and a fragile uh, balance. This is the beauty of Allah Ta'ala's creation. We see it only when somebody tells us about it. That's why in the Quran repeatedly, Allah Ta'ala says go and look at the creation go and look at the creation that Allah Ta'ala made and you will understand his greatness through that and this one example is a fantastic example of the greatness of Allah Ta'ala but let's let's go on to the the wolves right now wolves have a uh, the infamy of being falsely accused in the Quran by Yusuf Yusuf's brothers when they threw him down the well and they cut a uh, an animal they cut a sheep i think it was and they spilled its blood on his shirt they went back to their father and they say Akala dhi, that the wolf ate our brother false accusation i don't know if it was from then or it just from before that but wolves do have a bit of a bad reputation
1: that's true because i mean also largely because of you know they they hunt livestock from farmers uh, once in a while so I think throughout history, wolves have been rubbing shoulders with with humans. And that's where they kind of got that that bad reputation. Well, rubbing them the wrong way.
0: I mean, you think about um, fairy tales and uh, folk stories, the big bad wolf. That's always the wolf. Cunning, shrewd, evil, right? But they just look, they're just creatures. they just Allah Ta'ala's creatures that go on with their lives and just do what they need to do. Just like lions, you know, I mean, if you really think about it, there's no essential difference between a wolf and a lion in terms of their, their, the fact that they, they are both predators. But one became the king of the jungle and one became big and bad. You know what I'm saying? The exactly. T- chases a- the three little pigs <laughs> and <laughs> huffs and puffs and blows their houses down. It could have easily have been a lion that they did that. It could have. It's just perceptions, right? Exactly. And also, speaking of perceptions, there isn't
1: just one species of, of wolf. Uh, wolves are really crazy because there's actually 38 different subspecies of wolves. So normally people will just use the term wolf or, or gray wolf to refer to wolves. But the, those terms are just umbrella terms that uh, encompass all 38 different subspecies. 38
0: different species. But they, they all look the
1: same. I mean, to me. to, the, to they, the They look similar. Some of them will have slightly different sizes and their coloration will be different. So you get some that are completely gray or black, some of them that are completely white, some that will have reds and you know shades of brown on them. And also depending on where they live, you know, you get wolves are, are, have one of the widest distributions. You get them across the entire Eurasian continent, so Asia and Europe, and the entire North American continent. Africa? Unfortunately, we don't get African wolves because of the lions. Probably there's so too much competition. competition, and but there's
0: also a hyena and uh, wild dogs. But strangely, no wolves. No wolves. Interesting. And yeah. So they like
1: a, a northern hemisphere kind of of creature, and you'll get them in all kinds of biomes. You'll get them in forests, in tundras, in you know, in semi desert areas. Snow, snow. They, they thrive anywhere and of course that's also helped because there's so many different subspecies so you know one subspecies might be ideal for one area and another would be perfect for, for a different area.
0: Now, to size wise, how, how big are wolves? Relative to, to the
1: other apex predators, wolves are kind of small so in length they'll only grow to about 105 to about 160 centimeters.
0: Well, that's not really that big. I mean, it's, slightly bigger than a, a, a German shepherd, a police dog.
1: Correct. And, you know, if, if you think of, like, I mean, a really large wolf, it's, the length of it will be about the height of, of a, you know, maybe a, 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 a person standing. So they, they're kind of small creatures. And even when you look at their weight, like, the largest wolf ever measured weighed in at 79.4 kgs. And this was like a a complete giant, but generally to find wolves larger than just 54 kgs is rare. They normally hardly ever uh, grow larger than that. So they are a very small creature and it makes it all the more amazing that the impact that they had on, on their environments, such small creatures, like relatively speaking, and that huge impact
0: that changed the way rivers flowed. That, okay that's that's interesting i mean for the small size what what being that size what do they eat do they eat really big uh, big creatures or they just they eat do. The small they,
1: they actually prefer large creatures bec- and this is this is uh possible because once again just like lions they don't hunt alone they hunt in packs you know i think uh, like the most most famous uh, pack hunting animal is probably a wolf. You know, when you think about a pack hunter, you think about a pack of of wolves. True. There. And uh, wolves are able to hunt large creatures because they work together and they work in a pack. And they will prefer larger creatures because you know a larger creature will be able to feed more members of the pack, and each one will be able to fill themselves more. In fact, I think I remember reading somewhere once that they prefer they'll specifically look for creatures. ...that weigh the same as all the members in the pack. That's interesting. That makes, that's ensures that all of them get something to eat.
0: Okay, that's very interesting.
1: And now depending on where they stay, they will hunt things like... elk, deer, moose, bison, you know, and other large herbiv- herbivorous creatures uh, like that. And a, a pack of wolves is, is very different from, you know, like a pack of lions or anything. There's not just one alpha... A, a pack of wolves will be, you know, at the top of the pack will be a mated pair, which is like the mother and father. And underneath them will be all their adult children, all their adult offspring.
0: All so right. it, it's just like a giant family that's moving together. And uh, and uh, there's almost a hierarchy of uh, of command, in other words. Exactly. So like you got the two parents at the top and then probably the next oldest and then moves on down the line. So the male on top will be the alpha male, the Akela, like in like in jungle. Correct.
1: Book. And then he'll have his his mate next to him that, that will help him run the pack. And I think normally when a pack when a wolf moves away to start its own pack then it moves on to a different area. It's like not part like wolves are territorial. They will live in one area, and they control that area, and they will hunt in that area only. Mm-hmm. And often there will be confrontations about different packs of wolves over a certain area. And that's one of the reasons they howl. One is to, to communicate. Because they are such social creatures and they live in these families, they howl to get the attention of others or to communicate to the other wolves. And they also howl, where it's believed, to, you know, mark their dominance over an area. Mm-hmm. So other wolves know
0: that there's a pack that operates here. They need to, to stay away. Oh, wow. There's one thing I came across. I don't, I, I haven't fact checked, uh, fact check it, uh, checked it. Perhaps you, you might know about it. When wolves are, are traveling in a pack, they always keep the, the old and the weak ones uh, in the middle. In fact, they, they put the old ones in, f- in, in the front or the middle front so that everyone walks at their uh, pace. And on the fringes, at the, at the front and at the back of the pack, they put the strong ones in case there's an ambush or some kind of attack. Is, is that true? Is there any uh,
1: truth to that? Uh, I've also come across that article once, but I, I'm not too sure of, of its validity.
0: OK, so not, not really
1: um, verified. I'm not sure. I mean, maybe it is. Maybe I, if I, if you do a bit more research into it, we could find the answer. But uh, I'm, I'm not 100% sure
0: on whether that one is true or not. Okay. But anyways, I think uh, we've run out of time. This is, uh, this is, this is an interesting topic. I mean, I didn't know that wolves were this much fascinating. I mean, in stories like Jungle Book, uh, you know, we come across wolves, but as a Uh, as a creature, they are really, really impressive. Anyways, that's all we have time for today. This has been another episode of The Amazing Beauty of Creation. I'm Bilal Ketrada. And I'm Talha Ketrada. And we'll catch you in the next episode.